Good morning, Faith Life Church. It's uh, so good to be here. I've been praying for you all week. And this, this week, after just with, that, with the message we did last week about remember, I've just, just been praying and praying. And I, I, I had a difficult week this week. I, after just um, going through what I preached and uh, just within my own heart, it, it is just circumstances coming up and things coming up and just really encouraging myself in the word that I preached you know so sometimes we you know we think as oh that you know the, all the preachers that who are ministering or pastors or leaders don't have to go through anything but we go through what you're going through and and, and for me this this week in in prayer and praying with Sulve I just really felt this in my spirit that if we're going through it so are people going through it and, and so today I feel like I have this prophetic, encouraging, uplifting message. And while, get, while I was up this morning seeking God and, and just praying, God gave me this word, are you ready to be lifted up? Are you ready to be lifted up? When first, when I heard those words oh, of God, God, of course I'm ready. Of course I'm ready. Well, I, I wouldn't be here if I wasn't ready. But the Lord said, are you ready? Because I'm the one that's doing the lifting. I want to lift you up. And God took me to a passage of scripture that is going to tie in so well with what we've done for the past two weeks. And it's in Luke 24 verses 13 all the way um, all the way to verse 23, sorry, 33. And, and it's about the disciples. Now we're talking about um, Luke 24 starts after the resurrection, it's a, the, 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 Jesus has been crucified, and then we've had the resurrection. And what we find right in the middle of this is this amazing story that teaches us how we can be lifted up, how we can go from one circumstance to the other. So just to, just, just to put you in the context of this, that Jesus had hundreds of followers, and all of them believed, all of them put their hope in, all of them were riding on him, on, on his wave. And he was there and he was moving, he was ministering. Before this, if you needed a healing, you would go to Jesus. If you needed deliverance, you would go to Jesus. You needed a word of encouragement, you would go to Jesus. Jesus was the central part of the movement. And so you have everybody that's coming in and they're buying into Jesus is touchable. Jesus is reachable. Jesus is compassionate. So put, you, put your hearts and, and your minds and your emotions in this is that you have put everything over the line. Is that you're, you're financially and uh, physically in, in every area of your life, you've said to Jesus, Jesus, here am I. And you put it over and you're, you have expectations. You have expectations and you're living on those expectations. And then comes Calvary. And, and Calvary to the disciples was an absolute shock. It, it was a shock because, hold on, this is not according to plan. Some way, somehow, the plan has been derailed. So when you start thinking about what, what sank in their hearts, what sank in their expectation, is because in their expectation was Jesus is always going to be around. We are throwing our heart over the line because he's unmovable. He doesn't lie. He is faithful. He is what we are expecting. So within their heart was, we found the Messiah. We found him. And so in their context was this. Well, how do we keep him? 
How do we not lose him? And so with all of them, you can tell when they were sharing Jesus, it was, hey, Jesus is here. Jesus is for you. Jesus is moving. So it was all amazing. And then comes Calvary. It comes Calvary where all of them get so frightened, all of them get so scared, and they leave Jesus. And then on that day, they see the Son of God, their Messiah, crucified. Sometimes when we look at the disciples, I, I, I believe we're very harsh. I, I believe when we, when we talk about you know, doubting uh, Thomas, I, I think we're really hard on him. When we look about Peter, Peter, Peter's denial, we're very hard on him. All of these men put their hearts over the line. All of these men put their businesses on the line, their relationships on the line. They threw away everything and they said, we are going to come and we're going to follow Jesus. And then they hear these words, it is finished. Now, when you think about those words, depending on where your heart is now, so just just. just Work with me and just work with the Holy Spirit right now because I believe the Holy Spirit wants to talk to you. I believe the Holy Spirit is here right now. And, he, and So what you have is that you put your hope in Jesus. You put your expectation in Jesus. And then Jesus has these words. It is finished. I don't think any of them knew prophetically what was happening, but they just looked at his words in the natural. In the natural, Jesus said he's finished. So, so to some of them, it would have been, well, it's over with. Uh, we're done with. We need to go back to what we had. We need to go back to where we are looking at life. We are looking at situations. We're looking at all the things retain us before we met Jesus. So for them, when they heard the word, it is finished, they were not hearing a prophetic declaration. They were not hearing the voice of God in their situation. What they were hearing was they, their expectations were now finished. And where you have chapter 24 in Luke was a couple of these disciples. Now, before you hit 24, you need to understand one of the last words that Jesus said to the disciples you are not to leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So what Jesus told them, what Jesus instructed them, and he said this, I want to do a work in you. I, I want to elevate you. I want to prosper you. But you are not allowed to leave Jerusalem until. So he said, Jerusalem is not where you're going to be for, for, uh, forever. But when I come in the power of the Holy Spirit, then you will leave. But until then, you must come. And here's the interesting thing is we've got some of the disciples. In verse 12, it says this. Sorry, verse 13. That same day after the resurrection... Two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem, which is about 11.1 kilometers away. I want you to get this. The first thing that you do when you are disappointed is to leave the place where God told you to stay in. So he comes, Jesus said to these disciples, I don't want you to leave Jerusalem until you are empowered by my spirit. And when you get disappointed, when your expectations are not met, when you feel that you have been let down, you will leave the place where God has called you that he wants to meet you. 
So always realize something about our Father and about our Jesus and the Holy Spirit, that they will always have an encounter moment waiting for you. So Jesus said, I know what you're going through, but I've got an encounter moment for you. But I'm telling you the position you need to be in. I am telling you the place that you need to be in. So he said, you're going to go through some tribulation. You're going to go through some doubts, but you are not to leave the designated place of encounter. Every single time that God speaks to you, it is an invitation and a destination for an encounter. So we've got these two disciples that are going out of Jerusalem to Emmaus and they start walking and they're walking, but there's not, there's not a spring in their step. There's not a a joyous moment. They're not laughing. They're commiserating. They're going, you know what? You know what? We thought it was Jesus. We thought that if we buy into Jesus, if we thought if we throw our heart over the line with Jesus, that none of these things happen. And, and he's gone. He's gone. His last words were, it's finished. And so if he's finished, then we're finished. So they're going, we're, we're going out of there. And so they're on their way. To Emmaus. And as they're walking, you find this in verse 17. And then Jesus meets them and he asks them, What are you discussing in so intently as you walk along? The first, first power of God comes this. He goes, You might be leaving your place of encounter, of destiny, of prosperity, of healing. But just because you're walking away doesn't mean I'm going to let you walk away. What I love about this, Jesus told his disciples, I have an encounter for you. I have a breakthrough for you. And they're leaving their encounter. They're leaving their breakthrough. And, you know, I love this about Jesus. Jesus said, oh, okay, you're leaving. Bye-bye. See you later. I hope you have a great life. Jesus doesn't wave them goodbye, but he says, I'm coming after you. Is because if I don't interact with you, if there is not a divine Holy Spirit intersection where you can do a U-turn, where you can go back, you're going to miss it because I promised you an encounter. I promised you the Holy Spirit. I promised you the Holy Spirit and fire. And so what does he do? He doesn't let them walk away from their destiny, but he interacts right now, in your living room, wherever you are watching and hearing this, Jesus is there to put you back on course. Jesus is there. Whatever area is not. So, so, so let the Holy Spirit touch you right now. We're not just talking about getting you to heaven. Jesus didn't die just to get you to heaven. Jesus died to give you his kind of life. So the whole concept is not, is now that I've got my travel insurance so that I can get to heaven, I've got my insurance when I die, I get to heaven, I've got my VIP pass to get to heaven, now I'm good. Jesus says, my mission was not to get you to heaven, but my mission was that you can have a kingdom life now in every area of life. That is why John said this in John he said, I pray that you may prosper in all areas. So when God says this, my destination is for every area in your life to be blessed, to be prospered, to move. So what does he do? He comes into them and he starts to walk with them. Here's the key. Jesus is walking where you're walking. He's not 
behind you yelling at you. He's not in front of you saying, hey, come on, what in the world are you doing? But he's there beside you and he has a mission. I'm here to tell you this morning, I'm here to reveal to you, I'm here to prophesy that God is standing alongside of you and you will come through. All those things. It was really interesting. Um, Pastor Silva and I were in a discussion this week and we're just talking about all the things that God has said before the coronavirus hit. And then and what I realized, and I'm talking to pastors, I'm talking to leaders of other denominations and churches, and, he, and the, and the question is, does this event that we are having stopping what God has promised? You know, I love what Pastor AJ preached a couple of weeks ago, is that when God spoke to Paul, he said, you're still going to get to Rome. You're still going to get to Rome. So many of us, we start off well, something happens and we go, it's not going to happen. But the good news is, is the one that invited you for your breakthrough is the one that's going to make sure you get to the breakthrough. It can, that is audacious. That is extreme grace. That is the grace that comes from heaven down to earth that says, not only am I going to prophesy a good future for you. Not only am I going to prophesy good things in your future and in the present, but I'm going to make sure that it happens. Now, just watch with me. People say, well, Ted, how can you be so sure? Easy. Isn't it amazing when God prophesied and declared a promise on Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply, and they blew it. So what did Jesus do? He came up and says, I'm, I'm the lamb. I am the lamb. So the father comes, he slays the lamb, and he puts them back on course, puts them back on course. You see, Jesus is always, always in his heart said, when I give you a destination, when I give you a breakthrough, when I give you a blessing, even if you get so discouraged, even that you feel like, ah, it's not working, God's going to come up and he's going to walk with you. Now, I love this. Now, Jesus is going to walk with them. You would expect some really, really, really harsh words. What are you doing? Man, I have been with you. Da, 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 da. Jesus didn't come to shoot them. Didn't, didn't come to make them feel bad. He didn't come to condemn them, but he came to lift them up. And, and so it comes up, and you'll find this in verse 19. He says this, what things? God says, I want to know what you are thinking. I want to know what you're talking. So here it is. So God comes in and there's a dialogue. God says, okay, you are feeling discouraged. You're, you're, you're not feeling this. You're feeling that everything's gone. Let me talk about it. So what does he do? He lets them talk. See, right now, it's okay to go, God, I am discouraged. God, I'm um, it's not going the way that I thought. And see, God is not afraid of that. God comes in and says, come on, let's, let's get a conversation. But I want you to understand something about it when God invites you to a conversation. He's not inviting you to a conversation that will take you down. He's inviting you, inviting you to a conversation that will take you up. Every single time God asks you a question, every time you're feeling the priming of the Holy Spirit, it is never to keep you where you are, but it's always to keep you moving forward. You see, God is not static. His love is not static. His mercy is not static. It's always going to take you further. That's why from glory to glory to glory to glory. So therefore, every single day, you are to have an expectancy. I'm better. Today, I am better than I was before. I am much brighter. I actually look better. I am stronger. 
I'm amazed. I'm just so good God's going to have to take me to heaven like Enoch. But we'll wait for a while. So God starts to talk to them, starts to talk to them. And listen to what they summarize in verse 21. They summarize how they're feeling. It says, And we had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Wow. So they come up and they go, we were hoping to have a Messiah. What I love about this is that they had a picture of the Messiah. They had a knowledge of the Messiah. And they said, what's happening? The knowledge we have here and the experience that are here, something doesn't match. We thought there was, a, there was an expectation from us that Jesus is the Messiah. But three days ago, he left the earth. Three days ago, he died on a Roman cross. Three days ago, they put him in the grave. And then they go further. You know what? Yeah, there is a little bit of hope. Is if you read that on, there's a little bit of hope because some of the women were going down to the graveyard and um, to anoint Jesus. And they said the tomb is empty, but, but we're not sure. We're not sure. So they start talking about Jesus and Jesus. And, and look at verse 28 now. But this time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of the journey, and Jesus acted as if not that he didn't know what was going on. And they begged him, saying, Stay the night with us, because now it's getting late. I want you to notice something here. They came up and goes, oh, We're getting encouragement from you. Please stay with us. Please stay with us. So you, you get this, they're walking, and they, they, they are their doubt is coming out of them, but what they're realizing is that this person, they don't know who it is yet, but this person is doing something with it. Just being in the presence of this person, they felt it. So I said, look, it's getting late. Why don't you come and eat with us? Why don't you come and stay with us? So there was this concept that within every single one person, they want to be around someone that gives them hope. They want to be around somebody that says, you're going to make it. You see, when you're feeling down, you can pick another person that's feeling down, but you're not going to console each other. You will bring each other down. But when you are down, your spirit, your spirit is hanging out. It's crying out. I want to hear the words of hope. I want to hear the words of faith. I want to hear the song of redemption. I want to hear that I am still going to make it. You see what they were, they were with these people, and this, guy, and this person who they didn't know it was Jesus yet was going to walk, walk on. But they said to him, please stay. I want you to notice something. Jesus is going to stay with you until that chain is broken, until that habit is broken, until that mindset is broken, until that negativity is broken, until the sickness is broken. When Jesus starts to walk with you, I can guarantee you that you are going to have a breakthrough. Why? Because Jesus is walking with them. He's walking with them. He's walking with them. Look, and verse 30 says, and he sat down to eat and he took bread and blessed. I want you to notice something. In the Eastern culture, the way you honor is by a fellowship of eating. So the way you honor somebody, you bring them into the house and you eat with them. So that when you're eating with somebody, it's telling all your neighbors, everybody around you that you accept them. 
So when we normally kind of think we talk about, you know, uh, uh, Jesus, Jesus went out, you'll find with Zechariah, the first thing he wanted to do, Jesus come and eat at my house. Matthew, when he called Matthew the tax collector, what did he do? He invited all of his friends to come and eat with Jesus. What he was saying was this, in the person I eat with, I also tell you that they are my friend. I accept them and you are to accept them. And he starts to do that. And that Verse 30 again, and he sat down to eat and he took bread and blessed it and he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him and, that, and then he disappeared. I want you to notice something here. What, what did he do? They were disappointed. Uh, they were cast out. He gets bread. And I want you to notice something. They invited Jesus to eat. You wouldn't think that they would be the one feeding Jesus. So, so, so it'll be like this, right? I ring you up when all of this is over and I go, hey, um, come with me to lunch. You know what your expectation is? Hey, I can leave my credit card at home. I can leave that home because Ted's paying. See, it, it is a natural uh, thing that we do. It's a natural... Uh, a behavior that if somebody asks you out for lunch, they'll pay for it. So if I ask you to come to my home for lunch, guess what? I haven't got an ATM machine in front of my door saying this is going to cost you, okay? So here it is. They invite Jesus. Jesus will pay the cost. But when you read this, what did Jesus do? He, he, he paid for it. He took the bread. So all of a sudden, it was that Jesus invited him into the conversation, and Jesus was the listener. Now we get into the now we get into the into a room. Now they're going to eat, and Jesus takes over, and he takes the bread and breaks it, and he blesses it. And guess now, just watch this. Their turnaround happened on communion. So what they did, Jesus, what he did on the Lord's Supper, they sought to sit here. And he says, and their eyes were opened. So what happened was when Jesus showed them the communion, their eyes were opened. So what does it tell me? That up to this point, they're talking with their eyes closed. They're believing with their eyes closed. They're hearing with their ears closed. They are receiving with a damaged emotions. So what you have is these men walked in blind, but the moment that Jesus took the bread and he broke it and blessed it, a miracle happened. A miracle happened. Now, just, just to get you into what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks on Remember. Now, I want to show you an amazing passage that I read every Sunday when we have communion. I absolutely love it. And it's in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 24. Now, listen to this. Now, Paul was never physically at the Last Supper. All, all, Paul got his teaching and his breakthrough because of divine revelation. And now he's teaching people how to get a breakthrough. Now listen to 11, 1 Corinthians 11, 24. And he gave thanks to God for it. First thing, your breakthrough is a gift 
from God. It can't be earned. You can't do anything to add to it, subtract to it. So the first thing that when you, when you start talking about the communion, he says, and he gave thanks to God. Number one, I'm recognizing. When you have hope, you recognize God you're the source. God, it's about you. It's not about me. Everything is about you. It's about you. So when we come around communion, it's all about his power, his love, his mercy. And he says, and then, and he gave thanks to God for it. And he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Just, just stop there. I want you to get this. Which is given for you. I want you to put your name in it. When I read this, which is given for Ted, which is given to AJ, which is given to Regina, which is given to Wyhem. You get all of this. See, it, it becomes personal. When Jesus broke the bread, they personally had to take it. They personally had to reach out and take it. Jesus didn't wedge their mouth open, stuffed it. There you go. He didn't do that. What did he do? He says, Ted, I broke something to you, and now I want you to take it. So what you, know, you can't take something that is not given. That is why when we talk about the promises of God, that's why you can be confident, because the promises are given, they are not taken. And we'll leave that for another time. Do and listen to what he says here. This is when I'm doing this, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to do the Ted dance. Do this in remembrance of me. What should you get this? Here we go. What does the word remember? The word remember means God acts and God remembered and there was an action. But what does he do? He says, every time you come around the communion, you are to remember. There is an act of God inside of you. There is something that you are to do. There is something that's supposed to come outside of you. There is something that's come to mind. And what we find about communion, we go, God, remember what you did at Calvary. And we're also telling our spirits, remember, 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 remember. So what you find out in Luke is that God comes down and says, now what you need to do is I want you to take communion. And once they took communion, their eyes opened up and Jesus disappeared. And, I, and, and to me, that uh, when I was first born again, that used to really, 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 really bug me. It really, I, I, I not for you, but I'm thinking, hold on, having Jesus in person, and then he leaves. Now, I'm going, hey, that's, <laughs> okay, for me, let you into my world, I'm going, now, nah, God, raw deal. Let's go back to the road and let's start walking again. I'm going to shut the door. Hey, I'm going to chain you up. I'm not going to leave you. Because why did God leave? I'll tell you why God left. Because there was no need for him there to be in spirit. He now instituted his spirit. Because most people think, if I can touch the physical body of Jesus, if, if, if I can feel him, if I can touch him, then my miracle happened. But God said to me, when you remember the communion, it is as if I am there because I am there. You might not see me. You might not have a fingerprints on me. But what you have is you've got my power. You've got my spirit. The divine revelation is this. When I take his body, when I take his blood, Jesus is ever present in my 
life. And because He's ever present in my life, that means He's going to take me where He is. He came from heaven to earth to take me up, not to leave me down. So the beauty with it is this. And so you move this, and so He disappears. The next verse, it says this. The disciples see after their eyes were opened, they said this. Didn't His words burn in our hearts. I thought, oh, that, well, that's, isn't that unusual? It doesn't say, didn't his words make sense? Didn't his words make theological amazement? Didn't his words, what, what, were they not so cleverly written? What they said, didn't his words burn? And when I realized something, I want to give you a secret. It's, it's a real secret. It's simple, but it's a secret. And it's only a secret is because we just seem to cup over it. Jesus always talks spirit to spirit, never spirit to mind. So God is never attacking your intellectual mind. He's not attacking your emotions. He's not, he, he's, Jesus is not going to trick you into the kingdom of God. God is not going to manipulate you. God's not going to make it so grammatically sound that it makes sense. So when you have, see, it works like this. Everybody reads the same word, but they come up with a different response. Because if you're reading the book on an analytic level, what you get is information. When you're reading it on an emotional level, you, 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 it feels good. There's, there's, a, there's an energy that comes with it. But when you start to read the Word of God on a spiritual level, there is a divine encounter. There is divine encouragement. What they were saying was this, is that Jesus... Once he opened their eyes, they realized Jesus was talking spirit to spirit. But because we were so minded, we were so intellectually minded, we were so much in our sorrow. I understand this. Sorrow cannot exist in your spirit. Doubt cannot exist in your spirit. Condemnation cannot exist in your spirit. So if we keep going back to our mind, if we keep going to our emotions, we cannot hear the spirit of God. So when Jesus is talking, he's talking spirit to spirit right now. A prophetic word for you. Jesus is talking to your spirit. Your emotions are crying out. Your disappointments are crying out. The atmosphere you're in crying out. But Jesus, I'm talking to your spirit. And what breaks you into the spirit is understanding what happened at communion where Jesus says, I am broken for you. So therefore, in my blood is there for you. Remember. So what you do is when you start to remember, you start to hear. Listen to me, church, Faith Life Church and all those who are listening, that the moment you start to remember, you're saying, God, I want the act of Calvary on my life. I want the act of the bread in my life. I want the act of the blood in my life. I want the act of the Holy Spirit in my life. My spirit starts to rise up. My spirit now, I know what you're talking about. Yes, my mind says, I am not sure. My emotions are going, well, can I, I don't know, I can trust my emotions. But your spirit, man, who you are, remember, you are a spirit that has a soul that lives in a body. So therefore it means is your spirit rules and God speaks to your spirit. The reason he speaks to your spirit because you are made of the spirit of God. So what you do is when God opens your eyes because of the cross of Calvary. You see Calvary Communion. What we're saying is, God, act on my behalf. Act on my life. Act on this. And the moment they remembered, what was it? Remembrance wasn't, oh, we forgot. 
is that go, I'm, I'm accepting the action of Calvary. I'm accepting the action of the blood. I am accepting the action of the resurrection. So when I remember, I accept what happened. And what you find, guess what this, the next verse after that, it says straight afterwards, within an hour, they picked themselves up and they went to Jerusalem because that's where their encounter was. What they did is they did not spend the night deliberating. <laughs> they didn't spend, I tell you what, hey, that's sleep on it. You know, I, I remember a principle that we used to use. Uh, you know, it's like, if you're not too sure, go sleep on it. Go sleep on it. But I'll tell you something that's powerful. If it's, your mind is telling you to sleep on it because it's intellectual, you probably need to sleep on it. But when your spirit is talking to you, you don't need to sleep on it. You just need to take a step of faith and act on it. You just need to do it right now. And we want to do that right now. So right now, you could have had a tough week. Yes. A lot of things might have happened. Yes. And you've left Jerusalem and you're walking away. But because you've decided to tune in this morning, because you decided to give God this, this, you know, this time of church that we're having this morning, God is speaking to you and he's telling me this, I'm with you. I haven't left you. I am here and I'm giving you my body and I'm giving you my blood. I am giving you my spirit. Act on it. Act on it. So today, I want you to remember God's invitation to you. I want you to remember that you are forgiven. I want you to remember that whatever happens externally cannot break the forward momentum of what God has spoken in your life. So before the problem, God spoke that you were going to increase. Before the problem, God said that your loved ones were going to come home. Before all of this, God made you these extravagant, abundant promises. But sometimes with our thinking, we've dropped. But today, put your hand on your heart and go, Holy Spirit, I'm listening, speaking to my spirit. Because when you do that, your word will jump out and you will return and you will get the breakthrough you need. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you. That, Father, all of these circumstances, all of these news, all of the chatter is telling us to decrease, that we are decreasing. Things are not going to go back to normal. Everything's going to take so long. Yes, that was good pre the virus. That was pre this, pre that. But Father, I just want to thank you. What you have spoken over us is still going to happen. What God has spoken over your life, what God's spoken over your marriage, what God's spoken over your children, over your finances, over your business, over your relationship, over your mind, your spirit, your soul, your body. I'm here to tell you that Jesus is here by the power of the Holy Spirit and he's talking to you right now. He's sitting down with you right now and he's breaking bread and he's talking to you now remember I died for you remember I have forgiven all of your sins and I will not act on your sins remember that the blood of Jesus Christ has washed you of everything remember that you are seated in heavenly places remember that you are the head and not the tail remember that you are blessed when you're going in and when you are going out remember that you can sow in you can sow in a desert and have a harvest. Remember that you are loved and expected. Remember, remember, remember in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, just, just God just spoke this to me. 
I want you to put this in your spirit as a, as a, that I want to encourage you. Condemnation cannot live in your spirit. Condemnation only lives within the mind and the emotions. But in your spirit, there is no room for condemnation. That is why when God speaks to you, He speaks to you in your spirit because there is no one condemning you there. You can only be condemned when you stop listening in the spirit and start listening with your mind and your emotions. That's called living in the flesh. So, so always remember, when you feel like jumping, when you feel like, yes, that is God speaking to your spirit. If you feel like God's, you're being depressed, that is not God. Hey, God bless you, and I so look forward to seeing you next week. See you then.